0: Hi guys, welcome to Jules and Phoebe, the bi-weekly pop culture and social commentary podcast brought to you by yours truly, Jules and Phoebe. Hey Phoebe. Hey Jules. How you doing? I'm
1: good. I've switched it up. I'm recording in my sitting room today. You know, this is the this is the height of living when we're still semi in Covid.
0: <laughs> but the Covid thing is so crazy now because like the UK has like one of the highest infection rates in the world and there's really no plans around how to bring that down. And so winter will be interesting here.
1: Winter will be interesting here. Here's my little top tip. Let's all start investing into like Sainsbury's and Tesco because I think that stock is going to skyrocket when we all go into another winter lockdown.
0: But I can't see a way to avoid the winter lockdown because there's just, there are no precautions.
1: They will not allow two Christmases in a row to be sacrificed, will they? Will
0: they? Was last Christmas sacrificed?
1: I mean, I made it home to Ireland by the skin of my teeth, but then my whole family caught COVID. So in my head, I'm like, well, Christmas was pretty much ruined.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And um, it was so cringe to see Matt Hancock given that job at the UN to help with Africa's COVID recovery.
1: Can't stand that man. And I just can't imagine what it must feel like. I get imposter syndrome over absolutely the the most minute thing. What must it be like to literally embody talentless? (laughs) uh, It just, it it blows my mind. Like this guy, the fake crying on whatever it was, Good Morning Britain when the vaccine came out. Like, oh, I just, he makes my skin crawl.
0: He has no shame and he's completely incompetent. And then I hate when they say Africa's COVID recovery, right? Like, I mean, let's start being specific around countries and what you're focusing on. And let's be really clear that you are not the person for the job, given the situation that we're in in the UK. So I was quite happy that 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 offer was withdrawn.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Matt Hancock is completely inept anyway. I certainly need to extend that don't think it should be the UK full stop, who would be offering up, you know, their best and brightest to help the entire continent of Africa.
0: (laughs) Crazy, absolutely mad. Um, But today's going to be a really interesting episode. Um, It's actually going to be our last episode for a while. Those of you that listen to the podcast know that I'm about to pop at any minute and deliver a baby, fingers crossed. And so you know, we were just thinking that it would be great to sort of take some time out to regroup, relook at this podcast and come back like better and stronger. So I just want to thank everyone who's been with us on this journey because our podcast is two years old.
1: Two years old and this is our 59th episode, which is crazy.
0: It's crazy, you know, and with everything that's gone on on in the world and like we started like going to the studio and then like we pivoted and like we went remote, you know, and we're still here like two years later, which is like massive. And I'm, I'm so grateful. And so it would be great for us to use kind of the time that I've got off, like on maternity to just think a bit more strategically about the content that we want to put out and just come back like swinging.
1: Absolutely. And yeah. So thank you to everyone who has been listening listening to us and growing with us over the past two years, because this has obviously been a work in progress and sticking with us also throughout my various kind of mental breakdowns during COVID, (laughs) during lockdown. But yes, as you said, like it's also so exciting that you've got this time coming up um, with you and your newborn getting to enjoy that, that time together and then hopefully coming back 2022 Better than ever.
0: Yeah, fingers crossed. God willing, inshallah, everything I take.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Candles lit, prayers all Yeah, exactly. exactly. Land sacrificed. But one of the things that we were going to talk about today, and I think it potentially will lend itself quite well to some of the themes that for our next season we'll be jumping into in more detail – is the show currently on Netflix? Made, M A I D, not M A D E. So you have
0: you watched? Because obviously, Made is one of the hits on Netflix right now. Did you watch Squid Game?
1: Yeah, I finished Squid Game as well. Oh,
0: you finished Squid Game? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Squid Game, absolutely epic. Um, but obviously, Made in terms of like themes, um, yeah. to a lot of the stuff that we discuss.
1: Hmm. So those are kind of the top two at the moment, and as you said, like. There are interesting themes, not to sound too much like a secondary school English student, but, you know, when you're thinking about, wow, money and financial freedom and financial literacy really is like the power it holds is just unbelievable. And I guess for anyone listening who hasn't watched Made as of yet, it is a, a true story or it's based on a true story of a single mum basically trying to leave a Uh, an abusive relationship um, for the sake of her child and having no financial freedom, having no financial independence. And as a result, what the the barriers to that freedom can really look like. And obviously-
0: Yeah, so I mean, there'll be spoilers, obviously, if we're going to discuss the show, but one of the things for me, obviously there's a financial aspect, like the fact that she wasn't independent, she wasn't working. um, And then she was basically stuck in a trailer with her abusive boyfriend. But it's also more- like the emotional side of it, like, Mm. yes, you do need financial freedom and like literacy. But I think you also need a lot of therapy, like looking into her life and the things that she'd been through. There was a lot of work that she had to do to kind of get the strength emotionally to be able to eventually break away.
1: Yes, totally. One really interesting component I thought was looking at things from a domestic violence perspective and the the character or the author, the the woman that this happened to, you know, left and went to a domestic violence centre with her daughter. But the idea that we only really interpret domestic violence as, as physical abuse and the education that kind of went on, certainly for me when I was watching the show, about how damaging and how difficult to extricate yourself from emotional domestic violence can be. And the reason I guess I mentioned the financial component is because there is a scene in the first couple of episodes where the main character is kind of having a, a realisation that she has been in an abusive environment. And she says, you know, I haven't had a bank account or a bank card for the past two years because her partner has been the one who controls her access to money. And that is a component of emotional abuse or or domestic violence, which I certainly didn't know, I hadn't thought about it in those terms. When you hear it said, it becomes so obvious that of course, that is a hugely coercive control tool. But I'd never really heard it said in those terms before.
0: I think financial abuse is recognised to a certain extent, not sure if you can go to a shelter over it. But I know that when we opened our joint bank account, there were terms around that you could have access to the fund's As a sole signatory, if there was financial abuse in the relationship, so I noticed that as one of the terms and conditions. So I think it's starting to be recognised a lot more.
1: That is so interesting because it also feels like one of those things that must be incredibly difficult to prove, basically, Mm -hmm. you know. And and I think that that's something that you realise more and more. We've touched on things like this in other episodes. But, you know, kind of gaslighting, bullying, intimidation situations or scenarios are often so damaging because they're so difficult to prove. So not only are you as a victim being gaslit, you also begin to gaslight yourself because you are trapped in the cycle of it.
0: Yeah, you don't. It was interesting for me watching the show because it took me a few episodes to get into the show. Mm -hmm. I think it took me like three or four episodes to start enjoying mm-hmm. the show. And I don't know if that's because I wasn't really um into the main character, what was her name? In the show. In the name show, name? her name
1: is Alexandra. Alex. Yeah,
0: Alex. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I don't even know who she was. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there was just something about the character that it was very difficult for me to, to get into it. What made it really click for me was the scene that Alex had with Regina. Which one? With Regina, the black lady.
1: No, yeah. I, I meant which
0: scene. <laughs> no, but was she, I'm just trying to make sure I've got the name. Yeah, yeah, Regina, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so there was a scene when Regina was talking about, it was, I think it was like, maybe it was Thanksgiving and like she was getting divorced and she was talking about, you know, everything that she had gone through around, you know, pregnancy. It was basically that point where Regina and Alex kind of connected. Mm-hmm. And it felt like really authentic and it felt really genuine. And then I thought, okay, yeah, I'm, I got into the show, but it was super hard at first. I
1: think as well, it can be difficult to watch scenarios like that where, I am arrogant enough to believe that I will never be in a situation mm. like that. And obviously that is the point. No one ever thinks, okay, I'm going to end up in an abusive situation, but the author Louise O'Neill always kind of makes this point when she's writing female characters, you know, the, the desire to make female characters likable is such a real thing that, that kind of societal pressure. Oh, will people connect with or will people like or relate to this person mm. if they aren't likable. And obviously in the case of Maid, it's, as I said, based on a true story. But I also think that male characters are so often allowed to be like multifaceted. And, you know, so in the context of Alex's boyfriend, Sean, in this particular series, he is obviously the abuser, but he's also the victim because we know that he's had a terrible childhood and he's been brought up in a very toxic environment. And it's funny how I think sometimes allowing men or male characters the spectrum of that without needing them to be entirely good or entirely bad Mm -hmm. is something that comes much more easily to us than it does when it's female characters
0: yeah that could be a part of it because I didn't find her Mm likable at all but I also found Sean to be complete trash yeah totally I had no sympathy for him and the fact that he kept Um, trying to use their shared trauma of like difficult childhoods Mm -hmm. to manipulate her. I I thought that was awful.
1: I think it was very difficult viewing because we're very used to a kind of a, a a kind of a Hollywood narrative almost where it's like, okay, here's the situation. Here's the thing that the main character has to overcome. And then here's your kind of happy ending. Whereas in this kind of situation, That trajectory is not so straightforward and real life isn't that straightforward. And you kind of see over the course of this series that, you know, Alex makes some headway and then she's set back again and then she has to start again from scratch. And those things really make you realize that, you know, the components that sometimes are taken for granted where it is, you know, a stable home life or it is access to money or it is emotional articulation Mm. can be make or break.
0: They can be make or break. I think, obviously, you mentioned it, like you do sort of think, oh, I would have handled the situation differently. And we never know what we would do when somebody has um, or society or our experiences have broken us in the way that, you know, Alex was broken. The part where I was really over her <laughs> was when her Asian prince came along to save her. And then she was like, oh, no, you're feeding me, you're clothing me, I'm staying in your place, I can't go for dinner with you because we wouldn't be equal, right? And I was like, okay, I, I, okay, fine, right? I would have been all over it because I thought this guy was a really, really cool guy and he was really mm-hmm. trying um, and he did like her. And me and my husband watched it together and we felt like she basically, it's like when you know someone likes you, she knew that this guy liked her. So when she was in a tough spot, she went over to be with him and did use him. Got Ouch. a car off him, got lodging off of him, food, comfort, you know, etc. He's taking her kid to go ride the pony. And then she's saying, oh no, I can't go for dinner with you because we wouldn't be equal. Then you go and run off to someone who's doing nothing for you mm-hmm. and puts you in a situation where you're even more desperate and you're even more dependent. Absolutely. And so that final scene with them when she came back, and he was like, I can't believe you're doing a walk of shame like in my house. This is not on. Mm-hmm. I, I'm interested in how you interpreted that scene because I was 100% behind him. Oh,
1: totally. Yeah. But that is, I guess, the the thing he is in that character or in that representation. I also appreciate that, you know, things have been made a little bit more black and white for the purpose of a Netflix series. Yeah. But I also think it was... It was a good representation of how difficult it is to extricate yourself from something where she knew that of the two, she's in a better, she's being offered a better situation with Nate. But there is like a, there is an emotional attachment to the situation that you've been in because you haven't been able to kind of fully sever that bond. And I think it's interesting, like, extending that extending that rhetoric, let's say, a little bit further because, you know, I have never, thank God, and touch wood and everything like that, up until this point in my life, been in an emotionally abusive relationship. But I have been in situations where I've been bullied and I've been gaslit. And it's so funny how insidious that can be and how slow it is. You know, it's like the, is it how to boil a frog? You obviously, it's happening so gradually that, you know whether it's work or whether it's a friendship or whatever that it should be so easy to be like this this person or this environment doesn't nourish me i don't feel good about myself in this job or in this friendship or like when i hang out with this person and yet it never ends up being as easy to just be like oh just walk away just move house or find a new apartment or just stop hanging out with them or get a new job it always ends up you i mean and again this is more anecdotal i guess there is part of it where you think, no, 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 if I just work a bit harder, I can transform this situation.
0: Yeah. I also think there's shame because there all always contrasts happening with, you know, Nate talking about his family and like, yeah, my parents are happy. Yeah. My parents are happily married. Like my life is stable. I have a surplus of mm-hmm. things that I can just give and like share. And I like you and I want to share that with you. And so I interpreted it as like when they were drawing those contrasts, that when you have been through an emotionally abusive situation and with um, Alex, it was intergenerational. Yes. It's even harder for you to embrace something that's good, Mm -hmm. you know, and that can lead you back to where you were. And that's why with her boyfriend, Sean, he kept saying like, you know, we're the same. We've both had these messed up childhoods. And Mm -hmm. um, I think that kind of draws you in because, Abe, the person, the boyfriend is familiar to you. And then also the circumstances are familiar to you. But yeah, I just felt like, you know, when she walked away from Nate to basically go and be abused in a trailer. I
1: know. But I, I guess that's the point, isn't it? And that's where it's a more Authentic. I know I keep saying it obviously it is based on a true story but mm. it's also an authentic representation of what that erosion of self-esteem can really look like because as you said she didn't think that she was worthy of a better environment and mm-hmm. I think that you know just to avoid this episode I guess being a review of a Netflix series like obviously, I think that really resonated with me because I do think, wow, it actually takes you so long to unlearn a negative thought process about yourself. Once mm-hmm. you are in an environment where people have made you doubt your self-worth, there is such a ripple effect from that. And suddenly you think, God, maybe I am an imposter. unless Matt Hancock, as we said earlier, mm-hmm. like <laughs> there is this environment where you do think, oh my God, maybe I don't deserve to be here. Maybe they don't like me. Maybe Mm -hmm. I'm just unlikable and Mm -hmm. how toxic that kind of thought process can be, because it is the easiest tool to use against people in general. But obviously, women disproportionately end up being the victim of those kind of situations.
0: Absolutely. And then also the other layer is that, um, you know, people around you are complicit. Mm hmm. And so, the person for me that was complete trash in the show is Alex's dad.
1: Oh, absolutely. I'm so glad you said that. He was, and he's the one who is masquerading, and everybody has someone like this in their life masquerading mm-hmm. as the nice guy, pretending mm-hmm. to be on your side. But as you yeah. said, completely complicit.
0: Completely complicit. And it was just so, it's really heartbreaking. But then when she asked him to write a, like support her case to get custody and then you know because he had witnessed the emotional abuse and then he was like i can't do that because he's an abuser himself if he was to say that sean has emotionally abused her or i've witnessed this abuse he would basically be admitting that he's an abuser himself which he couldn't do um but then you also had her friends who were complicit and even, like, her mum, you know, the fact that she would call Sean, like, without her permission, like, give her daughter, well, their daughter to him, kind of, like, without her permission, mm-hmm. it was just, like, it just shows you how complex it is, because if everybody else is going to, like, ignore the fact that this person is dangerous...
1: And I think it also demonstrates that when you are in a situation, like it only exacerbates your own kind of mental quandary, right? When you're already thinking, God, maybe I am making this up, maybe I'm being oversensitive or maybe whatever, and everybody in your environment is unwilling to upset the apple cart. And the other things where whatever, maybe, you know, in your own life, you've had it where someone will agree with you in private, but then in the broader context in front of other people, they will be like, oh, I personally haven't had that specific yeah. experience myself. So I'm not totally sure that mm-hmm. I can endorse yours.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's basically a lot of that going on in, in the show. And so, mm-hmm. and it, yeah, and I think that um, maybe the reason why it's so popular is that we haven't seen something like this in a while like I don't think I've watched a tv show on Netflix with this type of theme
1: I mean I certainly haven't because as I've said on numerous times on other episodes like my policy has been very much so like I am only watching rom-coms I'm only watching things with like a happy ending so for me I was like hmm I think I've misunderstood what this is about this is quite bleak um But it is. I I think you're right in saying that it's not something that we often see because it is easy, or easier, to look at things that are actually like physically harmful, because it gives like an unambiguity about it. Mm. Right? Like when you're saying, "Oh, yes, there are probably plenty of shows on Netflix or on like Amazon Prime or Hulu or whatever mm. that depict." Domestic violence in a physical sense. I thought what one of the really great things about the show was the idea that actually it pretty much remained contained within a, an emotional abuse kind of spectrum. Mm-hmm. Because, as they say within the show, the domestic violence shelter categorizes emotional abuse, intimidation, you know, shouting as forms of domestic violence but they're not recognized in the courts i'm not totally sure if that's the same in the uk or what the legislation looks like around that but yeah
0: i saw someone do a post in the in the uk to say this is a great show and then she kind of did a breakdown of kind of like the legal framework in the uk because obviously it's different to some of the things that you would see in in the tv show i'm not exactly sure kind of how they class these things but i think the key takeaway if you look at especially with COVID, you know, domestic violence, physical and emotional has increased. Mm -hmm. There's a high chance that you know someone who is in an emotionally or physically abusive relationship. And I think it's really important for us to kind of educate ourselves and to adopt a language that is a bit more um, empathetic. Yeah, because people are dismissive or just so flippant about these topics that I think it it's hard for people to then open up or create like safe spaces because if we look at just the data and what's happening with with women and like domestic violence is in the context of covid you must know someone who's probably in a situation like this but I don't think I've ever had someone come to me and talk to me and be open about a situation like this and you do hear about emotional abuse, like, but a lot of the time it's when people have walked away from the relationship and they're like, oh, he said this, 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 he did A, B, C. And it's always a shock because you're like, oh my God, I had no clue that he was like this. But you never hear, I've never heard about it in real time.
1: No, absolutely. Sorry, I'm not sure if you can hear that car alarm going off in the background. I'm going to continue as though you can't. Absolutely. And I think what's difficult around that, it's so interesting, just when you were saying it there, looking at the statistics, looking at the data, realistically, you must know someone. It's an extension of what we said in our in our last episode when we were talking about Sabina Nessa and um Sarah Everard and Gabby Petito, where we're saying, you know the men who are assaulting women because there is no way that you don't. An extension of that narrative is yeah, you you know the women who are being abused, but maybe our interpretation of it is so Well, I'm waiting to see a black eye or I'm waiting to see a split lip that.
0: But you probably won't even see an argument.
1: No, absolutely.
0: It's that insidious. I think obviously with the TV show, I mean, this guy was, it was like way more obvious because it's a TV show. Mm -hmm. Um, But the, the challenge that we have is that, yes, you might not actually be able to see anything. And the only way that people know that it's safe to kind of talk or open up is if, you don't have a poor attitude towards this stuff.
1: Mm-hmm, absolutely, and that you are the type of person who is potentially willing to upset the apple cart. Like, yeah, God forbid if anyone was to ever come to me with a this is an a, this is an abusive or this is a, a frightening situation that I have been in, and my response is, well, I'm going to continue my independent relationship with this person, the per- the perpetrator of that fear or that violence or that emotional violence that is something that I hope I would never do but again yeah
0: I would never do that because I've had like I've set friends up on dates with guy friends of mine and they've not been on their best behavior and I'm not friends with the guy anymore I don't have time for it no I don't have time for it like why would I be friends with somebody who just isn't aligned with my values I don't have time for it no, and that's seen as you know, and a lot of people would just like still continue like being mates with those types of people, but I think that um no that's not on with me, so yeah in a, in a, in an even more serious context, like I don't think that I would continue an independent relationship with an abuser,
1: yeah, no to what, i, I to what I,
0: benefit yeah. I like just I don't get it when people do stuff like that,
1: no of course, it's like well, it's certainly not somebody I want around my sister or my child or whatever or myself. Was, or myself but you know what I mean like just because I've not had that experience with this person directly well now that I've got anecdotal evidence that they have done this to somebody else I certainly don't want to well, I'm not going to set them up on a yeah. date with my sister now or whatever the case might be yeah exactly you know?
0: like obviously I'm not saying that when we have relationships relationship with people, we kind of know what's real and like what's not. So it's not that you write someone off without kind of looking at the situation in a bit more detail. But if it's really clear that this person is an, is an abuser, it's like, all right, come on.
1: Absolutely. And I think just, you know, you were saying, particularly around COVID and, and lockdown and things like that, that rates of domestic violence have increased. There's also a statistic where during football matches, whether England win or lose, there is a spike in domestic violence cases in, yeah. in England. It's not, it's
0: not England, it's just football in general. Oh, is um, it
1: football in general?
0: Yeah, football in general. But okay. also what people have to be aware of, like when it comes to emotional abuse and even like physical abuse, right, both men and women can be perpetrators of abuse. Mm-hmm. Yes, we know that, you know, when it comes to like physical domestic violence, it's definitely that is like skewed towards um, men being, the perpetrators of it but you know I've been in situations where like you have got women in relationships who are basically emotionally abusing mm-hmm. their partner so for me I'm not interested in being friends with people that behave in that kind I, of way I, irrespective of their gender like I think what the, the maids tv is just how like insidious that emotional abuse can be and both men and women can do it and I think it's even harder for men to come out to say, you know, this is what I've gone through, right? Absolutely. So it's about having empathy kind of across the spectrum, I think.
1: No, totally. And also that, you know, what do the ripple effects of that look like? And again, I know I've said this, but everyone has probably been in... a uh, a similar situation on the spectrum of where you are trying to preempt someone's moods where somebody's mood has the ability to make or break your whole day whether it's your boss or whether it's a friend or whether it's a colleague or whether it's your partner and that situation is so toxic for you that you are constantly on tenterhooks. hooks like am I going to have a good day today or is this going to happen instead? Like, am I about to be someone's emotional, verbal punching bag? Mm. And the effort then of going into any kind of other social situation and pretending everything is okay must also be exhausting.
0: Yeah, exactly. And that's really the tough part, you know, is that you've got to wear that mask. For sure. And I
1: think, you know, there's no... I reject often the rhetoric of being like, oh, this is what women can do to make themselves feel safe when it comes to walking home or going on dates. Or uh, there's been in the UK a a recent spate of spikings. And I'm seeing a lot of stuff on social media about like, this is what your drink may look like if you've been spiked, just to be aware. Oh,
0: really? Um,
1: Yeah. And it's things like, you know, that your drink might be, I mean... The difficulty is when I say this, you're going to be like, hmm, quite ambiguous and quite similar to what drinks look like anyway. But your drink may become cloudy in appearance. The ice may sink to the bottom of the glass. More bubbles may appear. Things like that. That it's like, well, listen, if you've already had a couple of drinks, you might not even notice any of those things. Mm. I certainly wouldn't. Yeah, exactly. And so I do often reject the rhetoric of, oh, this is what potential victims can do to make themselves feel safer. But in the context of, emotional abuse it does really seem like actually just talking is the first step to extricating yourself from a situation i don't know how you create an environment where people don't end up in those situations because as they mention in the show and as we know just you know from from real life things never start out the way they'll end up if you are in a situation with an abuser or a bully or an intimidator they're not going to go in straight off the bat and start like gaslighting you and manipulating you.
0: Yeah, exactly. And that's another thing they were trying to highlight. They were like, yeah, emotional abuse is just like a journey to physical abuse.
1: Absolutely. But equally that it might never get to that point. Right. And that's the hard thing. We really want scenarios like this to be easily digestible and easily identifiable. And obviously Mm. that, that makes so much sense, but that, you may continue down the road of just emotional abuse and it may never get to that destination of physical violence, as you've mentioned, but it's certainly not going to get any better. And as your self-worth drops off a cliff, we already know that women in heterosexual relationships don't do as well, in are at a disadvantage, basically, the requirement or the expectation of um domestic labor emotional labor childcare already falls to women in heterosexual relationships we already know that women find it harder to progress in the workplace and that's when everything is going right you know <laughs> that that is when you are in a a healthy communicative relationship with boundaries and mutual respect and whatever women are already not getting the promotions or the um acknowledgement or the accolades that they deserve in the workplace so what does that look like if your foundation isn't steady yeah basically my point is it is so key in general for women to be talking more and creating environments and dismantling the barriers that are already in place for us and it is often difficult enough to create that foundation of stability anyway
0: yeah if you've not had it right you, know, you can't be what you can't see um, totally. and so i think that's why it was it was a great ending um with made the fact that she was able to find herself and do something for herself mm-hmm. but there was still a community that had to step in in order for that to make in order to make that happen right regina regina's friend you know there were people that had to intervene Small things that they did to intervene to give Alex a chance.
1: Absolutely, and also I thought it was a really, it was a really interesting look at like the American welfare system and an acknowledgement of how impossibly difficult that is to navigate. Because that's not specific to the U.S., even though we know that things like maternity leave and you know the, there's no safety net really in the U.S but that's not to say that navigating those systems in the UK or Ireland or elsewhere in Europe is super straightforward.
0: Yeah, it's super hard.
1: It's super hard. And then you've got situations where maybe you are in a situation where English isn't your first language. And you're also trying to navigate a situation like that. You know, there are times at which you really realize actually there is a there's another component to my privilege that I hadn't even realised.
0: No, absolutely. Because even watching the show, you, you, there's so much like white privilege in the show. Mm-hmm. And if you put a woman of colour there, if you put someone with a different accent there, if you put someone um, that doesn't have as great a command of English there, they're never going to have the positive outcome Yeah. that Alex had. Mm-hmm. And so that's something that we do have to be like conscious of, that everybody's starting at a different point you know, and, and the outcomes will be different based on where they've started, based on how people perceive them. You know, Alex could show up at someone's front door and say, hey, are you a, a customer of value-made that are like, clean for cheaper? And they're comfortable to just let her in their mm-hmm. house. You know, that wouldn't happen with, with everyone. So I think that's a really important point that you, that you make. Like, if you put it into just a different context, if you put it into an immigrant context, et cetera, it gets murky mm-hmm. to say to say the least and so yeah I did enjoy the show because it did kind of highlight the themes that we've discussed and I don't really watch tv shows like that like the show for me that's just been the number one for me was was Squid Game so, <laughs> so I, I don't really I was just like looking for something after and then I ended up watching um the Made show and overall like ended up enjoying it and I think for me made me a bit more sensitive mm-hmm. to a lot of these things because one of my fears is that something like this happens to someone I know that I'm like that contact that I'm in contact with regularly, and they just didn't feel they could talk to me.
1: Absolutely, and I think that that's yeah. a component yeah. as well. You know, tying in loosely with COVID again, mm. shoehorning that guy in, but also that the environments in which you will see people have obviously been decreased. So then it becomes harder to reach out. Like all of us have a limited amount of bandwidth anyway, so it's not mm. as though. I have been in touch with every single one of my friends as frequently as I would be when we were always up the West end or when I was always in the office or whatever the case may be. We're not necessarily crossing paths in the same way. So maybe that opportunity for someone to reach out and say, by the way, like this is happening. Do you think this is normal? Or I I could use a friend right now, whatever those opportunities are also decreased. Um, Yeah.
0: But I just find people don't talk about things.
1: No, absolutely.
0: Like whatever they are. I just find that people don't discuss their challenges full stop. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like I was talking to a friend, um, she's about to wrap up her maternity leave. And she was saying how she found it really tough, it was really isolating, like being with a baby all the time is quite frustrating. And um I've, then I was talking to someone else about it, and they were like, Oh, are they a good friend, Jules? Because they were giving you a bit you know, a bit."
1: bit too honest.
0: A bit too honest, basically. I said, oh, no, that's how she is. Like, she's a really direct person. And we're not the best friends. Mm -hmm. You know, like, this was just like a once in a blue moon catch up on on WhatsApp. But the fact that she is so honest, and maybe she's not British, and maybe in the British context, you're meant to be like, oh, no, everything is great, you know? We do have that culture in the UK, which I think makes it really difficult for people to just say... I'm having a tough time. This is what's going on. Mm-hmm. With me, when I'm having a tough time, I, I get on a microphone and I'm like, I'm having a tough time. Like, I advertise it everywhere. And it makes people really uncomfortable, I guess, to a certain extent. But it's difficult. You know, I'm not going to suffer even more by keeping things in.
1: No, of course. I think, it, yeah, I think that you're right in saying that there probably is. There's a real keeping up with the Joneses about it. Yeah. Actually, you and I spoke about this, not when we were recording, but my sister, Imogen One, The nationals in Ireland. Um, She's a cyclist. She's an athlete. And in one of the post-race interviews, and at this point, disclaimer: I don't know anything about cycling. I'm interested in it to the extent that my sister does it, and that's about my upper limits. But she said in an interview afterwards, you know, I wanted this so badly you know, I really worked for this. And I thought, and so did other people who were kind of commenting underneath it, like, wow, how refreshing, because we are so used to being like, let's immediately pretend that like, oh, yeah, no, I hadn't really thought about it. Or, yeah, it was okay, as you said, like, yeah, no, everything about maternity leave was perfect. And it was super straightforward. And I breastfed with no issues, or like, Mm. everything came naturally to me. Like, there is a power in that authenticity.
0: Yeah, exactly. There's a power in that authenticity. And there's also like a power in just accepting that. Yeah, I did work mm. my butt off for this in the context of Maid, it was a young woman that was like struggling financially, had a really challenging family background, but that can happen to anyone, mm-hmm. any station. And so you know, you mentioned that point around like financial literacy and making sure like things are together, like financially, but it doesn't matter. Like you could be an executive, you can be independently wealthy, you can be good and you can still be in a situation where you're emotionally abused or you're physically abused and you just can't get out because that person has trapped you mentally.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yes. And sorry, it wasn't to I guess to, to clarify that point, it wasn't necessarily to say, listen, guys, like if you've got money, that won't happen to you. But it did really make me think that God, yeah. that is, that is a tool. And financial literacy is something that isn't really encouraged in women anyway. Like you oh, think yeah. how many women, you know, don't know about savings or pensions or ISAs or, you know, applying for a mortgage. Mm-hmm. And I always think, I've said this on the podcast before. I'm sure I always think I'm very fortunate that my husband is someone who is happy to talk about money. Mm. Even though when we initially started seeing each other, when we were initially like serious enough, I guess to start having those conversations, I used to like start sweating as soon as he would say something like, Oh, how much do you owe on your credit card? Like in mm. the conversational, listen, we're budgeting for the month ahead. What are our outgoings? I would immediately be like defensive because I didn't grow up talking about things like that in a normal a a neutral environment if that makes sense yeah so I do think that that is really another kind of important pillar just in terms of, of allowing women to reach their full potential and I thought one of the really good things you know again to kind of kind of tie it up um but within the the show is that over the course of the the series you see Alex constantly totting everything up in her head and you know there there's a module I I just finished as part of my MBA called the economics of well-being where we were talking about you know one of the themes is basically money and happiness and I find it super interesting because basically the the theory suggests that yeah money helps happiness to a point at which point, you know, it kind of plateaus. But it's interesting to me because it's so situational and it depends on what happiness looks like to you, right? Does it mean being able to afford nappies? Does it mean being able to afford a food shop? Does it mean being able to afford, you know, I'm using children specific examples here, but like childcare or whatever the case may be. Yes, for some people it might be, okay, well, we weren't able to go to the Maldives for... Our holiday this year and that's understandable but what we also have to appreciate is that money is the key to making life so much easier in so many small ways for people and for women in particular who are already you know and again this is a hierarchy dependent on your ethnicity your sexual orientation like your your gender identification that's already a sliding scale, but women are already on the back foot as a whole.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So No, I yeah, I so just I didn't take your point in in that kind of way. I just wanted to highlight it because with made and I and I'm with the memoir, the original mm-hmm. memoir, it is is trying to highlight that poverty trap. Yes. Um and like you said, the poverty trap, the difficulty with navigating the benefit system the fact that she's a maid contrasting her life, this is like an A-level essay out here. Yeah, I know, (laughs) know, that's what I was thinking. A-level English, right, (laughs) A-level film and literature, Um, and, you know, contrasting like her life with the material things that course, have, right, and then, you know, when she started to get a bit, started to recover a bit and had a plan. And then she started working for the hoarders.
1: Yes. Oh, my God. And then
0: it's like she was in the position now where she could help and she, you know, mm-hmm. you know, she could support them. And so um, I just thought it was really, really well done in that sense. But I think the challenging thing with life, even, you know, we talk about the challenges people have at work, the challenges people have in their relationships. People will always say to you, oh, but you're so lucky that you have this. Oh, but you're so lucky that you have that. It doesn't mean that you're not going to go through, like, a tough situation. Absolutely. I find that all the time where it's like, oh, but you just work for such a great company. And it's like, yes, I work for a great company. That doesn't mean that there aren't challenges I have to navigate. And so sometimes people kind of dismiss. Mm -hmm. And they did that so much with Sean, constantly making excuses for his behavior. Oh, but he's sick. He has an addiction. It's like, okay, cool. And yeah absolutely. that doesn't mean I don't I don't need to be safe and that doesn't mean that I don't need to be in a better situation but you know hopefully this podcast was interesting to you whether you watched the Made show on Netflix or not um you know hopefully we've shared some things that that are interesting in terms of the podcast so far we've had a real mix of like pop culture you know really interesting topics that Phoebe and I are interested in personally and just going forward, you know, we want to kind of pick really specific themes and build our content around that. And we know that one of the key things that our listeners love talking about is like career and progression and like, you know, women in the workplace. So we definitely want to keep that central to, to everything that we do. And just in general, I think women are becoming a bit more conscious of like financial literacy and like preparing for the future, and making sure that they're independent. I think that's definitely another pillar that we want to build like our content around and just having like more guests on the podcast that we can all learn from.
1: Absolutely. And um, I think extending that a little bit further is also, you know, about building that network, leveraging, leveraging the, the information that we can maybe look to start sharing here to, to benefit us all as a community. And so, you know, as we said, we'll be taking a sabbatical for the next kind of, three months or so we will still be in touch over social media but if there are things that you would like us maybe to to feature or to discuss or to kind of dive into and if there are like questions that you have about things that so much operates under a kind of a a shroud of secrecy that it becomes impossible to you know ask the question without feeling stupid but if there are ways in which we can start to dissect and discuss some of those topics please let us know
0: yeah and if we can if there are ways that we can include our audience more in our episodes I think that would also be epic so we would love to hear from you we mainly live on Instagram
1: (laughs) (laughs) I don't have the bandwidth to be on Twitter oh (laughs) yeah
0: I don't either sorry
1: I want to see the screenshots of the tweets that are funny on Instagram,
0: yeah, that's but... <laughs> about it. yeah I, I don't, I don't have time for the rage. Um, but yeah, so mainly find us on Instagram. You know, share the podcast with a friend. Thank you so much for your support and uh, watch this space.
1: Absolutely, thank you guys for listening.
0: Bye. Bye.